it's letting yourself let go of always being in control, right? We just kind of talked about like you have to be in control of your mind, you have to be in control of your body and everything you're freaking doing. But it's also being okay with letting go of some things that you don't need to control. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. How's it been, man? I haven't talked to you in like forever. It's been busy, dude. I've been super busy. We've been uh, busy with soft lead stuff. And then kind of just with my end with all the training was running now. It's just like kind of my my time is my time is of a essence when it comes down to scheduling my day and everything else like that. So it's just like everything's planned around like either an hour and a half or two hour run. And then everything else goes around that. So Oh, yeah, totally. It's been going good, man. Yeah, so this is Scott Johnson. I don't think you guys have ever met before. So Scott uh, huh. is how you doing, bud? He's a br- former British Army EOD guy. Nice. EOD guys are fucking nuts, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably right there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, our, my last deployment in Afghanistan, we had EOD. We had multiple EOD techs with us, and I've kind of questioned their sanity multiple times. And I'm like, I thought we were fucking crazy. You guys are even worse. And <laughs> <laughs> then there's got to be a couple of brain cells missing to uh, to sign up to that trade, definitely. No, yeah. So much respect to you guys for sure, man. That's a, that's a whole different level of... Uh, <laughs> like, you guys don't get enough respect is how it pretty much is what it is. That's the truth right there. Yeah, I totally agree. Cool. <laughs> So you've gotten into all this different running and stuff. This is like a 180 for you. Well, I wouldn't say 180. I mean, you were always into the physical side of things, but now getting into this, you've like really, you know, dove off. And yeah, um, I mean, it's pretty funny, man. I I realistically, when we were doing all the podcasts back in, you know, from June all the way through December, or not even December through October, dude, it was funny is because I was actually creating a program called the Apex program that we have on Softly now, which is considered like a hybrid style of training yeah. where you can do like three days of strength work and then five days of conditioning. So you work through different uh, different modalities of swimming, biking, and running. And then on Saturday, whatever you're looking to do, if you're looking to race, if you're looking to you know go out for a long run, long swim, long try, or whatever else, like that, if you're training for a triathlon or ultra marathon, anything you name, you go – that Saturday is usually based on there's like a progression through it. So I developed that dude. And that kind of opened the door for me to like put me where I'm at today with like just the mental health aspect of like all of the ultra running. And it's, it's been fun, man. Like I said, dude, it's been it. I, you know, I've done weightlifting. I've done CrossFit. I've done all those kinds of things. And this is, this is the first like time me getting into something that's really kind of just like provided a better quality of living Huh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can totally tell that it's changed you, you know, from all your posts and everything that you're talking about. And uh, I mean, you definitely embraced it. That's really cool. Yeah, no, dude, it's it's funny, man, as you say this, because like it's I was having a conversation with Rick. We were having because I'm doing a podcast. I did a podcast with Rick yesterday of Lionheart Radio. And we actually talked about this yesterday. And it was more of the fact of like it's like taking shrooms yeah. And tripping for four to six hours. And during that four <laughs> to six hours, during this like psychedelic like experience, yeah. you you reset your psyche, right? Like through this whole time frame. And it's kind of the same idea of like when you go on to these extremes or into this like deep unknown and then come back from it, you have such a new psyche or a reset of psyche. Um, and a lot of people miss it. And that's what we were kind of talking about yesterday was the fact of how people miss it. So I guess you can say every time I kind of go on a long, long run – 
or you know I've done an ultra like it's put me into a state of pain to where it's the unknown and I just got to keep moving forward um and when you come back from it you know it's one of those things where you're just like whoa that was fucking super cool I was able to experience one side of the spectrum to even be more gratitude like have gratitude towards like me sitting here and having a conversation with you guys instead of being out there running for you know like he talked he used the example of running for 12 hours and then being out there at 2 a.m in the morning and still having another 30 miles to go to finish <laughs> wow and these are like ultra events or uh yeah they're ultra events yeah so you've been doing quite a few of those across is it just across the country or are you just doing it there in uh california um, so far, everything's been here in California. I haven't traveled anywhere else to do any of the races. Yeah. Um, everything's just been out here. Um, but this year's kind of, it's funny. It's like I haven't even hit a year of doing this. I started in, I did my first ultra at the end of November and attempting to do my first 100-mile race in August, which won't even put me at a year yet. Um, so, But I've done a few of them. I've done what? I've done 250-milers, 150K, and then a bunch of like 30 and 50K runs in training. Um, and this weekend I have a 50k race up in Big Bear. That's go. another cool thing. That's another cool thing, dude, is being able to like to travel and like all over and see the mountains that I didn't even know California had. Yeah. Well, you've been running up them. Shit, you don't just look at them. <laughs> so. Well, that's that's the, that's the funny part, dude. Is you would think you would run up them. There's some guys out there, man. They're just animals who just who are just unbelievable. Who just run up a 20 percent grade or a 15 percent grade, and it's just like, you know, I. No, I'm a very good hiker due to the fact of the military, you know, was always having a ruck on our backs. So I'm good at power hiking up hills. Um, you asked me to run up a hill, anything greater than a 10%, you're going to see me hiking it out. <laughs> yeah. Scott, when are you going to jump on, man? I'm, I'm in awe at George's ultramarathon uh, experience. I, I've done, I've gone up to marathon before and, and Ironman with triathlon and it's to push past that point. It's, it. I just don't understand it, you know, how you can do it to go when, you know, when I finish in marathons, I, I've just been ready to collapse, you know, and I couldn't, my brain couldn't get around if I had to go another mile, let alone 20, 30, 40, you, you know, you're talking about doing a hundred mile of George, it's, it's just insanity. <laughs> it's, well, like if you've done a full Ironman, right, you've done a full Ironman, that's anywhere between the fastest guys are doing a full Ironman in eight hours. Like the world record right now, I think in Kona is like eight, eight minutes and three or eight hours and three minutes. Um, Tim Dom, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that what who was? I think it was, yeah, last year, right? I think Tim Dom uh, broke it last year. Yeah. Yeah. He just like, he just put it out, but you gotta think about it though, dude, like you're on that bike for 12 to 14 hours or you're on that whole course for 12 to 14 hours. It's kind of a similar idea to where you're on a 50k or a 50 miler. Um, you're out there for that long. You know, a 50 miler can last anywhere, but or a 50k can last anywhere between depending how fast you are. And when I'm saying fast, and the, the fastest time I'm giving is an elite level. Yeah. We're looking at four and a half hours for 33 miles, right? And then you have the slowest end who are completing this 33 mile in 10 hours, depending on the course and the elevation. And the crazy thing about about ultras and i think the reason why we see a lot of ironman athletes come over into ultras is due to the fact of the variables of this of the two sports right like the variables like you you can't control the weather you can't control if your bike pops you can't control any of those things and you have to be yeah. able to adjust on the fly which promotes the the idea of being able to critically think in the simplest form and common sense same thing with an ultra we end up running and you end up looking at okay cool i'm at mile 33 i still have another 4k to climb and I, and, and I have to, you know, I'm out of water because I decided to drink all my water too fast. And that's a rookie mistake. You shouldn't be doing that. But that's an example. Or 
all of a sudden now I have a cramp in my calf and I'm supposed to continue moving through this because if I stop, I have a potential of getting time capped for the, for the, for the event. So mm-hmm. I got to keep moving through it. So with every, like same thing in, in, in Ironman in ultras with every single mile and every single like minute that you're into that race or you're doing that, there's always an unknown of unknowing of what's going to happen. And you just got to be mentally prepared for it in, in a positive or a negative effect. If it's a positive effect, you run with it and create a high off of it. If it's a negative effect, you try and turn that into a positive effect and still just manage that low as long as you can and enjoy that pain that you're in. And cause at the end, cause you're going to have some high somewhere down the road and you're going to enjoy that also. Mm. Um, but yeah, dude, so I'm saying like a lot of people say that, right. I hear that all the time. It's like, Oh, you know, I ran a marathon, but I don't see myself going another six miles or another mile. And realistically, it's like you probably ran that marathon like full on as hard as you probably possibly could. And what yeah. you do with an ultra is you actually cut that back a little bit now, unless you're one of the top guys trying to race for first, second or third. But one thing we say in ultra marathon, once they say they say thing in, 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 in Ironmans is, is no matter where you finish, you're considered still completing that ultra. You Ironman, yeah. Right. You could finish first or second or last. And we yeah. all experience the same stuff. Same same medal and team bragging rights effectively you, you completed that challenge and and a lot of long distance or ultra sport it's about that challenge isn't it you know and people get the compete or complete part of it and for the 95 percent of people it's just to complete it exactly uh, yeah it's so it's, but go on, mate. I, it's just a super awesome experience to see like you got 70 year old dudes out there completing these 100 miles and 50 wow. miles and 100 it, it's unreal yeah yeah i think a, a lot of it for me would be the, the psychological side of it because even though with long course triathlons it's three separate events so whilst the time frame might be similar and the, the calorie deficiency might be similar there's three separate things, you know. So you're in the water, you're swimming, and it's using one set of muscle group. And then you're on the bike, and it's using a different set of muscle groups. And whilst it be, you know, running and cycling is both predominantly legs, the different range of motions. So you, your brain is doing different things. And you've got different things to con- consider, you know, compared to running and cycling, the speed and traffic, and depending on where, what the lay of the road is and conditions and all those things to think about. With running... And particularly ultra marathons for me, it's you know where point A is, you know where point B is, and how far that is, and just to keep going and going and going and going. And like you said, you know, once once you come to the the low point or a painful point, there's going to be high points, and that's that's the best thing I enjoyed about running. You know, particularly I should run with uh, headphones on. You pick your playlist, kind of. I used to time my playlist depending on the route, so I'd have something like. Um, Mumford and Sons come on as I was coming up to the top of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and generally, oh, awesome. it'd be like a classic moment, and especially if it's in the summer and the sun is out, and I, I live in in the countryside, and you come up to the top of this mountain, so you've achieved climbing the mountain, all the scenery's in front of you, and uh, roll away your stone and from Mumford and Sons or something would come on your, your headphones. And <laughs> Yes. I, I just don't know if I can get motivated by Mumford and Sons. I don't know. It'd have to be something like ACDC. Oh, they've got some classic tunes, man. What am I? <laughs> I mean, I can get the Mumford and the, the, I can't even say the name right now. The, it's it's 6 a.m. here in, in California, guys, by the way. Um, but Mumford and Sons, I, can't, I, I can see like having fun listening to that because it keeps your heart rate down. Right. And like a lot of that is and like that's another big thing, dude, is funny is like you talk about the whole Ironman and, and the road conditions and the variables and like the weather. And it's the same thing with running. 
Like every single step you take is a new experience due to the fact of one, the terrain is probably not going to be flat like a road road race, yeah. right? Like a road race, you jump on the road and you just kind of put one foot in front of the other realistically, right? Like, yes, it might have to do with the hot, like the heat and stuff, but like with ultra running, like you either have mountains you got to over, over go, like climb up and then go down those mountains. Um, and then you still have to be able to run on the flats or somewhat jog on the flats and then be able to still produce and, and it's a it's a it's a different for sure different mindset um than just going into running a, a marathon definitely one of those things where i wouldn't like just tell someone to go run 50 miles like that's not what i'm saying um i think you should respect the sport and respect that that's one thing that i've learned right is respecting it in general just like how we respect a lot of things in life and respecting the sport like you've never ran a, a 10k well go run a 5k a 10k a half marathon run a marathon and then if you're thinking about getting into ultra well, then go ahead and run a 50K and then get into your 50 miler. And then from there, kind of some people talk about it differently. Like either go straight to the 100 or you run 100K, right? Like if you run a 50 miler, 100K is literally like 12 more miles. It's yeah. like, so usually just the next step is that 100 mile race. And then from there, you have your 140 mile races and your 200 mile races. And then your 240 mile races, which is the biggest, one of the, one of the mainstream bigger runs right now. Um, it's called the Moab 240, which is just unreal. Oh, my God. Man, you got to be doing shrooms ahead of time in order to get psychologically uh, set up for that. <laughs> I mean, that's a journey in a car, isn't it? You know, if you say, right, I'm going to drive 240 miles today. Yeah. That's that's not just nipping 10 minutes up the road. No. You, you know, you, you've got to stop and you can't just sit in a car for 240 miles and, and you, you, you can, but you, you can't be asking. So, you know, when you want to stop and take a break and get a drink and some food, perhaps and stretch your legs. You know, and change your position, but to physically keep moving your legs over those distances is, it, you know, cycling a hundred mile plus is, is a big thing for for most people. Yet to consider running a hundred mile or two forty is just yeah, mind blowing. I can't. The person that the person that won that this that race this year, her name is Courtney Dolwalter. I think she finished it in like fifty eight or sixty eight hours, something like that, and like unreal. I was a little bit faster than that, dude, but she crushed it. She slept a total of 20 minutes only throughout the whole oh my God. <laughs> or 21 mile, 21 minutes of sleep, dude. Like, yeah, unreal. Like this, she just crushed it, crushed it. Well, maybe, I mean, so if you're taking somebody off the street or if you're taking somebody who's listening and saying, okay, I'm interested in doing something like this. There's a lot of psychological, we've talked about psychological here and jokingly, but there's a lot of psychological components of this, not just the buildup of the strength and endurance and everything, but you've got to get in the right mindset. It's, it's a, it's a willingness is what I like to call it. It's, it's a willingness to be able to go knowing that in three, two, one, you're about to enter into an unknown that you probably like, yes, you've been there before, but with every single new race and every single time you go out, there's always a new experience that is created. So it's always a new unknown. Um, so that's the biggest thing I, I look at it from a psyche standpoint is <clears throat> how well are you looking to, or how are you willing to put yourself in that place and then stay there and not say, I'm done. Fuck this. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I've never gone beyond uh, marathon running wise, you know, 26.2. But for me, I think the biggest factor of it would be comprehending it and making sure that your, your mind stays in it. Because physically, we know that our bodies can keep going a lot longer than uh, our minds can, can hold in there. And if you can just get your head around it, the mechanics of your body will keep 
taking taking over and, and keep going. And and like you said, George, you know, when when you're running ultras, you, you aren't doing it for, for for speed. You're doing it to to complete that challenge and cover that distance. So the distance is the the aim, not the time for it. And you might have a time in mind that you'd like to get to, which should be realistic for you anyway. And if you've done some previously, you might like to beat those times. But you're competing essentially against yourself, aren't you? You know, to either beat your time or beat your mind and keep your mind in the game and switched on enough to say left foot, right foot, left foot, and just keep going. No, it's you nailed it on the head, man. That's a hundred percent. That's that's exactly what it is. And you hear a lot of guys who, and I use the. It's really cool the difference between I think the ultra realm of elite athletes and your marathon elite athletes and your just in general type sports athletes is that in ultra everyone experiences almost something of this of a familiar state of what they get into. Right, we experience something that the fast guy experienced. Right, we experienced. You know, no matter what, we all went into that pain cave. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you hit on the head there was the fact of being able to know that, like, hey, like, I need to have my mind and my body okay. My body, my body might be able to feel 100%, but if my mind's not there, I'm not probably not going to complete the race or it's going to make the race that much harder because of the fact I was mentally not tuned in, which is probably a huge reason why I do the fact that you said, like you said, Robert, like you've seen a huge 180 change in kind of, this whole approach of like how I look at life is due yes. to the fact of, of, of the psyche of the sport, right? Because I've always been able to lift heavy weights, go super hard, but I was never really able to really dig deep into, into the psyche aspect. And I had a, had a higher up. He's actually worked. He's uh, one of the main guys for go ruck now. And I remember I was training for the recon challenge back in 2013 with my, uh, with my partner. And he walked up to me. He's like, Hey, Sergeant Briones. I was like, what's up master guns. He's like, when you're on a long ruck run, what do you think about uh, me, gun ho, Sergeant Briones, I'm an instructor at the schoolhouse at the same time, right? I'm like, oh, I zone out and just push through the pain. And he was like, that's the reason why you're JV and not varsity. Wow. And I, and I <laughs> never, never understood what that meant until six, seven months ago. Really? Yep. So what was it that was the difference that switched? It was literally just being able to like really just – it's it's one of those things like I said it's just like you get in such a uh, like you get inside in, into a, a a place of just where it's like you you now have all the time in the world to just slow down and like it slows down so much for you that you literally can replay from like when you were born all the way to this time and moment where you're at now is literally how I can explain it right and that's the way we I, like that's how I explain it right like when you're out and for me I haven't done a hundred mile race before like again I'm super new to this. Um, I've been able to experience some really cool things so far in the races I've done. But for instance, like one of the races I did is called the Old Goat, and it's one of the toughest races in Southern California. And there was a time and moment where it became a very spiritual experience for me mentally because of the fact of like I'm at mile 37. I have 13 more miles left. I'm still climbing this 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 mountain that has 2K invert lift, and I've already climbed 3K invert already. And I just I, I just can't stop. I just got to keep moving. So the only way, like, I just really had to, like, really dig deep internally to really see the structure inside, and it provided a side of structure that I had to understand that, like, the external structure of my life is not what validates or, can, or gives me affirmation or is who I am. It's actually the internal structure. And you come back from this in a way of just, like, whoa, that was crazy. How do you help other people kind of break through those walls and barriers where they're thinking that there's no change occurring? I'm not seeing results. I'm not getting the benefit out of what I want to do here. 
and these types of things. Because I could certainly see that you've got to condition your not just your mind, but your body to be able to 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 go through these different events. Or like you said, you're, you're climbing rather than being on flat surface at one period of time. And so you've got to each time challenge your body into a, a different way. It's I mean, it's, you have to you have to one understand how to manage your output for what you're doing. That's definitely one thing. And when you come from the, like the physical side point of it, of the, of the body, right, be able to manage your output throughout the race and know what you have coming up. But when it comes to the mindset type thing, you literally just have to be in tune to every single step you take. Every single step you take, it's not one of those things where you can just zone out because once you zone out, you either want to slow down from running. You either gonna um, one thing I always say is like if you zone out during this kind of stuff, what ends up happening is like you end up gonna hurt yourself or something like that because of the fact that you're not paying attention and respecting nature around you, right? Like that's one thing huge is like it doesn't you're not able to respect what's going on around you. So when you zone out, and that's the difference between being JV and varsity, exactly right there and then. Um, I don't know if that answers the question. For no, you. it does because I think I could even apply that within anything in life. I mean, it, it sounds it's like literally what it is. Yeah, it's be present is kind of what I hear. Um, you know, through that, it, it really is. It's really like if you're, it's really being a hundred percent like there, and and it's one of those things that I've learned now. Like being able to compartmentalize like the day is a super simple task. Right. Like, oh, cool. Like this morning, like, for instance, like this morning, I go ahead and I had a 6 a.m. podcast. You guys, I'm all here. Nothing else. And then I'm done. I got work to do for a couple hours. And after that, going to go drive up, go see my buddy. And like he's going to take off for uh, to a new state. So I'm going to go hang out for him a little bit. And then from there, driving up to Big Bear. Right. And then from there, it's like I got more work to do. It's like but I'm present for every single thing as compared to when back in the, the old me would be like, oh, my God, I have all this to do today. How am I going to get it all done? And I would stress out about it. Yeah. Now it's just like now it just makes everything that much more simpler as in, OK, cool. Like I just got to take this one thing at a time, just like you do in ultra running. Like you got to take it one step at a time. One aid station at a time is kind of the way I look at it. Right. Because aid stations are usually about four to seven miles apart. So just. All right. I just got to get from here to this aid station for now. All right. Cool. There's, there's a huge life lesson there, isn't there? You know, about breaking things down. And if, if like I was saying earlier, to, to get my head around a hundred mile run is just not possible because I'm looking yeah. at a hundred miles, but what you're saying there, George, about breaking it down with aid station one to two and then two to three and then three to four and just breaking it down. And then it, it's, you know, we hear lots of people when they, they come in the podcast and talk about difficult experiences, difficult times and particularly physical um, difficulties, taking that elephant from a whole elephant and taking it down to one bite at a time. And it just enables you to, 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 to see what, what you've got to do immediately now and don't worry about anything else. And then you just move on to the next thing and worry about it then, you know, because if you worry about everything, you can't do it. And that applies whether it's racing a hundred miles, setting up a business, going yeah. through university, college, whatever it may be, you've got to break things down into manageable chunks because if they're not manageable chunks, they're unmanageable and you can't deal with that, you know? So You've, you've got to break things down and really look at individual things and be present. It is a, you nailed you nailed it for me there, Robert. You know from from what George was saying, and you've got to be involved. And if you switch off, you you aren't there. You're not you're not concentrating. You're not involved. It's not going to go right. And for me, living in the moment part of that 
is why I can see it on your face, George, you know, when you talk about it, how much you enjoy pushing yourself through that pain because you're there, you're in that moment yeah. and you're enjoying every single second of it. And if you switch off, you you might be able to achieve 50 kilometers. But when somebody said to you, how was that? Well, it was nothing. I've got no feeling on it because you was you were zoned out. You was gone. You wasn't there. And you're never going to do it again. You're never going to take anything from it. You're never going to learn anything from it. So it's two great points there. We noticed in a company one time that I was working for that a lot of the people were struggling with change or struggling with things that were going on. It felt like they had no control or, you know, despair, all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that they did is they started putting up posters because people weren't present. They weren't really in the zone because they were feeling too much of the stress of the things around them. And that was really the problem. And so there was a poster that actually had three words on it. And then they started making little placards that would go on everybody's desk. And it just said, be here now. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about those three words and every time you saw them, then you started challenging other people in meetings when they, when they brought out their, their computer and set it out on the, you know, the desk and everything where we're getting ready to have a meeting or they got their, their phone and they're texting and everything. And, and you'd look at them, you just go, be here now. And so then they'd shut it down. They got it. They started realizing that it's much more important to be in the present and to handle what's going on right now in this room, in this meeting, in this setting, to be able to, you know, blast through it as opposed to um, thinking, like you said, George, oh my God, I got to, you know, I got to go do this and I got to go see my buddy and then we're going to go up to here and then we're going to be doing this. Just be here now. And another big thing too, yeah, it's literally like another big thing too. A lot of people, and I'm going to caveat off of that because be here now is something a lot of people don't realize, but a lot of people who don't understand is, and we talked about this on the show before, is how slow time is. Yeah. Like sit there for 60 seconds doing nothing, and it's going to feel like a, a it's going to feel like an eternity. Like just sit there with for 60 seconds as long like just sit there for 60 seconds. Don't look at your phone. Don't do anything. Set a timer. Boom, and sit there in pure quietness. If we did that right now, just as a dead space for 60 seconds, people would be going, what the hell? What just happened? Exactly. They'd, they'd be like, they would automatically think something is wrong. Right. And that is not the point. The point is to understand that sometimes pure quietness and pure calmness is actually a positive thing for us. So do you listen to anything? I mean, Scott was talking about listening to tunes in his head and stuff to help him go. But what you're talking about, too, could just be... Take in the surroundings, take in what you're doing, tune the pain out of your body and focus in on the, you know, the, the experience that you have there. And I think to really embrace that, I probably wouldn't listen to tunes or I might listen to them in the very beginning and then shut it off just so I could be there in the moment. That's a really good question, actually. Um, one thing I've learned, my, noticed myself with like getting more into like training and, and how my body responds to higher, my, higher mileage week it, uh, weeks and everything else like that is like as I start getting to a point to where I'm like mentally fatigued because it does happen right like this is a whole other kind of thing like to where you mentally now have to give yourself mental deloads just like your body needs physical deloads your brain needs mental deloads too because of the fact that you're just utilizing it so much which the brain is brain craves to be used that way um so i noticed like once i start getting kind of towards that higher end of being mentally fatigued and i know i needed like zone or like deload the following week um I will start using music to help kind of just like help keep me in um, because sometimes what happens is when I start getting towards that mental fatigue is when the brain starts to wander really, mm. really fucking bad. Yeah. 
and it makes everything that much harder. <laughs> yeah. I used to use both depending on what I was doing, really. Predominantly, I'd run with music because my, my aim was getting the miles in the distance, you know, working up towards marathon distance. But when you race, you're not allowed to use music. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you've got to be used to that. Otherwise, if you always run with music, come race day, your brain is just going to be all over the place looking for that music, and particularly when it gets to a painful point, because that's what you, your brain is. That's the main input, if you like, when you are training at those distances. So I, I used to sometimes run without music just to get myself used to not having that distraction, if you like, uh, or comfort when it comes to race day. And it's the days when you run without music, the thought processes you go through, you know, and, and I used to like the, the solitude basically running, yeah. you know, there's, there's no work and the, the screaming kids and the family and, and not in a bad way with, with, with family, but it's just you and it's yep. the road and it's, there's, there's nothing else. And, you know, you can, you can, you can take pleasure or discomfort from that. And, and I used to like, I used to like that. And just, I've, I know I've got two hours to go out and it's just me, the forest country road. And you'd see nobody for two hours, you know, yeah. where I live and it's just off you go. And it's, it's, it's good. It's one of those things I, I, I use the word meditation is it's a meditation state that you get into, right? Because of the fact, and, and I don't know if we've talked about meditation on the show before, Robert or not, but like we've done plenty of shows about bit. mindset and stuff. Yeah. But I did a really good podcast with a buddy of mine who's, his name is Danny the Barbarian. Um, he has a podcast called The Danger Zone. It's really cool. We did a podcast talking about meditation and how it's really helped develop um, another way of producing positive mindsets and really being able to like, compartmentalize and be here now right you don't have to go out and run 100 miles to be here now like we're not saying that right but it goes back to like you know what we're thinking is the fact of like when we meditate the main goal is to like everyone hears meditation thinks mindfulness right and and the and and that's kind of it's it kind of contra like it kind of like coincides as a whole of like all right mindfulness doesn't mean when i'm when mindfulness means to be here now be present it doesn't mean to have twenty thousand things in my brain i'm thinking about it that's not it at all what it is about is being able to be mindful of what you're doing in that time and moment and again if we go back to the 60 second example if i sat here and told everyone to go ahead and be quiet for 60 seconds and all i want you to do is now focus your breath to your to the tip of your nose right and i just want you to go ahead and focus everything to that could you guys do it within that 60 seconds? Because a lot of people can't due to the fact they have no control of how their brain wanders. So it goes back to the idea of running with music, right? Like I use music to help me help myself get back mentally. So if I'm running with music and I know that I get into a flow state or a, a meditation, a meditative state, my music goes completely quiet. I don't even hear the music no more. And then all of a sudden when the music starts coming back in. Now I'm teaching my brain to kind of get back into this meditative state so I'm staying present in what I'm doing. And again, when we talk about mental fatigue is I don't run with headphones at all most of the time, only when I get to that point. So we talked about on Tuesday, like or on Tuesday I had a really hard run. Like it was a 12-mile run, legs were smashed, I used no music, and I literally was fighting back and forth to get into a meditative state or my flow state or get into where I'm not wandering like crazy and how bad everything hurts, more of like, all right, be present, what's going on now? And I think it's something that a lot of people don't understand how to do, right? Going from this calm mind to this active mind and then bringing it back to this calm mind and letting it wander again and bringing it back because realistically, those are repeti repetitions, right? Like 
that's good for you. Like having this calm mind 24-7 is not good. Having this active mind is not good all the time, right? But if you can understand how to balance the two, like we keep talking about, like be here now and be able to compartmentalize your day and take it checkpoint by checkpoint by checkpoint, you know, be able to get happy when music comes on because I'm getting your crest over this mountain like we talked about. And that is letting – that's giving you a, a, a certain purpose of, all right, cool, I'm experiencing this going on right now, but I'm also enjoying this external stressor that's given to me in a positive output to push me to continue staying present. But that all just comes by controlling the mind with being calm and being active. And, and, and realistically, that's really just kind of the basics of meditation. A lot of people think – and it's really hard for people to do realistically. Yeah. It really is. I'm not saying it's fucking easy because it's hard. <laughs> no, it is hard. And you know, you and I have talked offline about the whole breathing and all of that. And I know it's a problem that I deal with. I'm not a mouth breather necessarily, but it's something that when you're trying to deal with stress is trying to calm yourself down, breathing through the nose, you know, the diaphragm, tightening your diaphragm and, and the whole bit. And a lot of people don't realize the benefits of that in the core and, and, uh, and such. And so, uh, you know, when, when you're starting to talk about uh, people who are trying to embrace the change and everything, though, I want to get back to that because uh, some people struggle with whether they'll see the results, what, whether they'll see what they're supposed to experience. In other words, am I going to be able to be like George and do 50 miles, 100 miles, 240 <laughs> miles? You know, am I am I ever really going to reach that? Because I'm getting like 15 and I and, and I just can't see it. I can't see the change coming. And I say this only because in this context, but I'm also mentioning it from just dealing with life and the struggle of maybe at work. There's change that's going on and, you know, is it really going to happen? Is it going to be a positive outcome, you know, and, and, and it's giving up that control maybe is a little bit what we're talking about too. And just letting yourself be in the moment. You know, the dude, um, it, it's, it's letting yourself let go of always being in control, right? We just kind of talked about like, you have to be in control of your mind. You have to be in control of your body and everything you're freaking doing, but it's also being okay with letting go of some things that you don't need to control. And the way I use it is we have complementary stress and we have uncomplimentary stress, right? Uncomplimentary stress could be a negative stressor. Complementary stress can be a positive stressor that's going to go ahead. But those two stressors are going to create change in your environment and in the way you see things, the way you perceive things, and it's going to change your reality, right? So if we can control this complementary stress that I have control of, i.e. how I sleep, how I eat, how I train, how I intake in, in any other kind of external stressor, then I think I'm doing something right. The, un, the uncomplimentary stress is when we look at the negative stresses, the things that we cannot control, i.e. financial problems. Yeah. Like sometimes we can't control that, right? We have no control over that. Let's say um, the weather you know, our, when you're running. The weather, we, yeah. yeah, the weather, right? Or let's say you, your, your, your loved one or something like that gets sick. I can't control that. You can't control that. So be okay with letting that go and turning that into a positive stressor now and try and support it in a, in a way to where the input of it's positive and the output of it is positive instead of creating this negative input and having a negative output, right? Again, we talk about it. Reaction, we have, every action has a reaction. Um, and it's funny we're talking about this because I actually just I'm, – I'm going – I don't know if I told you this, but I'm going back to school to get my bachelor's in sports no, psychology. No, you didn't tell that. Yeah. No, yeah. that's great. Congratulations. Yeah, so I'm doing that right now. Thanks, but I appreciate it. Um, but it's really has really opened my brain up a little bit more to like really being open to critical thinking. Yeah. And that's one thing that we're talking about here is being able to have that critical thinking skill, which is very common. And a lot of people have missed, the, missed this 
due to the fact of social media never being here and always gone, right? Slowing down, being able to like, okay, cool. Let me go ahead and think about this question, being open-minded to whatever's coming because, again, my perception of what you're taking is your reality and your perception of what I'm taking is going to be go is not his, not his reality, right? Like it's, it's just how it is. We all see the world in a different view due to experiences that we have lived. So being able to manage that, right. And be able to come in there and go full circle of like, how do we trust the, it's realistically, how do we trust the process? Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Right. How do we trust the process? And you know what it is? Realistically, it's fucking hard. Excuse my language, guys, but it, it like I had to use that with emotion because of the fact of how hard it is. A lot of people don't want to trust the process. Everyone, we're in a new age. We're in this in the society now where everything's quick. Yeah, right. And no one understands. Like, hey, guys, you know how long it took us to get to where we're at today with technology? Yeah. Think about this. Think about this. In two thousand one, did we have iPhones? No. No, right. Like we think about that. In nineteen ninety six, did we have? Um, what was it? What, do we we had beepers? Well, yeah. Well, even before that, I can remember the time period. I'm showing my age now, but when we had uh, we had <laughs> the phone, do, yeah. When we when you had the phone on the cradle and you went to 1200 baht, you heard the <laughs> you know the whole thing when you were dialing in, and, and it wasn't even to the internet. Hell, the internet you know wasn't even developed. Uh, you know who was it? Al Gore hadn't even invented it at that time frame, so uh, he takes all the credit for that. But. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, he wasn't even around. So you think about how far there was a comedian. It was funny that we're talking about this because I was just sharing this uh, this kind of thing with uh, some friends or family, and we were talking about how fast it, uh, technology has advanced. And there was a comedian many years ago, and I don't remember the whole joke and stuff that he was talking about, but it was basically on the premise that all this technology is probably in a warehouse somewhere. But what they do is they can't roll it out quickly because people can't just digest it and bring it into their head and understand it fast enough. So instead, they come out with, you know, uh, a a 33 record, then a 45, and then we go to an 8-track, then we go to a cassette, and then we go to, you know, a a disc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so we go on and on and on. Because if I'd have just all of a sudden brought out a thumb drive or if I'd have brought out the iPhone, you know, and skipped the beeper, skipped the whole process and everything else, people would be like, they just, you know, they, they wouldn't be able to comprehend it. But it's like the technology is there. Our brains just can't catch up. We like to take things slow. We like to process them. We just don't realize that because we think we want it here now. Yeah. That's, I think once, once, once you're in it, you can't you can't see backwards to, to how it was, you know, and I've, I've, I've got three kids and between 12 and five and they, they couldn't understand recently a cassette, a music cassette. What is that? You know, it's a physical thing where the music is stored. Well, my music's in my phone or it's on, you know, Google home and it's just, it's there. It's in the cloud. Yeah. And, I, I, I read it. Cloud. I the cloud. <laughs> what is the cloud? Nobody <laughs> understands it. But I, I read something a couple of years ago on, on um, a course about manage, uh, change management in, in work. And uh, the, there was basically this, this video and it said seven of the top 10 most desirable jobs now didn't exist 10 years ago. Wow. It's true. Yeah. So, makes sense. And we, we'll be in the same place in 10 years time jobs that everybody wants aren't invented currently doing things that aren't don't exist you know and the way technology is moving it's 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 almost vertical isn't it you know the, the it trip. is it, it really is 
Yeah, you, I, I've been working with an organization uh, that does artificial intelligence and machine learning. I mean, talk about blow your mind. The capabilities that are out there of what these systems can do without a human is unbelievable. I mean, well, we're going to go I mean, ahead and lose Robert one day due to robots. Be a robot. <laughs> <laughs> you come on the podcast, there'll just be a robot out there. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen the videos of um, Boston Dynamics, what they're doing with robot no. movement now? They've, they've got pretty nuts dude yeah humanoid robots and they can jump somersault westworld and hey it, we're headed there you know you ever watch that Westworld? yeah oh yeah yeah I, I i don't think that it doesn't exist i sometimes i wonder if movies and shows and and stuff like that aren't actually trying to prepare us for those those things that are getting ready to come they already know that they're there but they're, they're just kind of trying to get us ready Perhaps they're just trialing the technology. It's funny, man. Is uh, <laughs> life. Yeah. Dr. Andy Galpin actually said this, and, and I don't know if he quite got it from someone else, but I'm going to use him just because of the resource. Um, it's a very arguable resource. But he was saying that 15 to 20 years from now, food's going to be pretty much free around us due to the fact of artificial intelligence. How? Okay, I'm, I'm, I can't wrap my head around that. So how? So with, with the way that artificial intelligence is going, being able to produce mass qualities of food for people is going to become nothing. It's going to become super simple to do. Oh. The cost of it. That's the reason why food's going to end up becoming free down the road. Again, it's just something. Do you want to eat up. it, though? That makes me start wondering. I mean, with all the genetics and everything else that are already but, out I mean, there. Yeah. So that's, that's the funny thing, right? Like, you're saying that, right? Like, okay, cool. Like, and this is where I, I, I'm like, I'm trying to kind of take the two as a concept of it. it's like, all right, cool. Like we look at society now of how we're eating. Mm -hmm. Everything that everyone puts in their mouth most of the time is what is processed mm -hmm. due to the fact of increase in population means now decrease of natural nutrient dense foods. So what are we supposed to do from that? Right. We're supposed to be like, oh, well, I need to go ahead and produce more processed foods because it's cheaper to make and we can make more quality of it. Well, then, boom, there it is. So yeah. seeing food free 15 to 20 years from now due to artificial intelligence, and who knows if that would happen, right? It was just a thrown out talk or whatever else. But being able to look at it as like it actually makes a lot of sense yeah. because of the fact of like how food's being being made now. I mean you can go buy a box of cereal for $3, like realistically, and, and, and a gallon of milk for a dollar or something. Mm -hmm. And that is I just probably fed myself for two or three days on, 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 on cereal. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the the part of that statement that really blows my mind isn't the fact that technology will enable us to do that and make manufacturing and processing something it could be widgets, you know, but food so efficient that it becomes so cheap. It's the time frame that that will happen. Exactly. My 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 oldest daughter is 12 years old. And, you know, I think back 12 years before, just, just before we had it, technology and what was about, and you see photos and, you know, you look physically different, but in potentially in her lifetime and a, a little bit extra, food won't be an issue for people to think about. Yeah. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a, all about this change and trying to embrace the change in some ways, but I think we have to play a part and ensuring that um, we don't lose our who we are, what we're made of, yeah. and everything else. I mean, 
you know, there's times where you've, you've been on the podcast before, George, and we've talked about this, about checking out and just, you know, becoming more centered and learn more about yourself. With all this technology that's going on, it's really hard to do. People tethered, you know, so much more. We've talked about this a lot within the podcast. But as technology begins to advance, it's going to be harder and harder to get that opportunity to step away. You know, that's the scary part. Well, it goes back to, you know, talking about that there's 10 jobs now that we wouldn't be doing. What was it, 10 years ago, you said? Yeah, 10 years ago, yeah. 10 years ago, there's 10 jobs that we would have been doing. I, I make a living by sitting behind the computer, writing programming, and helping people become better all over the world. Like, I get to do that for a living. That wasn't going on 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, same thing for podcasts, right? Congratulations, oh. Rob, having being number two on, uh, yeah. on, on, the, on the listings for you. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a little while ago, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, you just posted and tagged everyone in this recently. That's why I was like, yeah, no, know. it was uh, it was one of those things that we just recently had, and then we were featured in Stars and Stripes uh, in February. I didn't even know about it. Somebody I was running across something, and it was pointed out, and I was like, wow, we were in, in Stars and Stripes article, and then Military dot com, and then uh, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. But thanks. But the thing is, it was like, what's cool about that is the fact that like ten years ago, podcast wasn't around, right? It was it was a radio talk show. Yeah. And, like and the Howard Stern talk show. Remember that? Like, yeah, absolutely. I think he still does that, right? He thinks he does podcasts now. Yeah. I think. But it's the same kind of that. format, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But even the technology to do a radio yes. show is you you anybody now could set up a podcast. I mean, there's there's three of us here and in complete different parts of the world. Not nearly and, as good as we can though. No, no absolutely yeah, not. So. <laughs> but you know, you can go out and pretty much you don't even necessarily need any specialist equipment now with as long as you've got a phone, which I, I'm pretty hey, sure 99% sh- of the, you don't want to, you don't want to give a secret to it. <laughs> yeah. <Are> the, <laughs> the legalities of it though. You don't want to get into that, yeah. <laughs> so, but no, it's, it's, it's so accessible. You're right. Accessibility of technology or technology makes things accessible for people to do things and, and you know, interact in what 10 years ago, We'd have to have a, a telephone conversation that would cost tens of pounds of, you know, $15 a minute to have a telephone conversation. Yeah. We're now doing essentially for free between three of us, mm-hmm. you know, and that technology to do a three-way call would have been additional cost on top. And, you know, we can talk to you for, for an hour. doesn't cost any of us a penny. Ten years ago... Robert would have picked up the bill. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> $700, you know, just to have yeah. that conversation between us. And the, the technology you need to be able to record that and then render it and then get it out into the open world, it just, it, was, it wasn't available. It wasn't easy. And you can't do anything. And, you know, when we were talking earlier about um, adopting change and stresses, if you can't, do anything about it. You you shouldn't worry about it. And technology can make your life better. It can make your life worse. You know, but you can't do anything about it. Really, the technology is there. It's integrated into the wider world. You've either got to embrace it or hide from it. I guess, haven't you? And it's it, you've got to get on board with it. I think. And people say, well, you know, back in my day, we didn't have that technology, and we was okay then. Granted, but it's here. It's there. It's available now. And everything is reliant on it. And there's so many positives. 
from that technology and i'm a big fan of the internet of things you know and yeah everything becoming linked and there's a lot of people that are skeptical about it and i mean i'm sat in a room now and there's a there's a there's a google <laughs> robot. yeah i'm I, not i'm not a big fan of that i don't want everybody checking in i i I'm not totally off the grid, that's for sure. But I also wonder about my home listening to every conversation, my TV following me at every move, and yeah, it's it's just a little weird. Yeah, but but why? And and so what if it is? You know, and I read an article. We we I think we're probably six months behind you guys in the US with um, uh, the interactive home, Google Homes, yeah. Amazon, okay, Alexa, yeah. those type of things. Okay, so when when they first come out, and I pretty much went and bought one straight away. We've got. We've got three in the house now. We've got all the Chromecast linked to the TV, so we can. My daughter's room. <laughs> See, George is doing the same thing as me. Yeah, my my daughter's room is completely voice controlled. She'll turn the lights on, turn the TV on, turn the music on. Her lamp will go on or off. Whatever she wants to do, she just lays in bed and she's twelve. She thinks she's the the, the queen of technology. I've, I've got to tell it. you about a story that uh, someone just told me the other day, uh, and, and I guess Amazon's being sued for this. I'm not sure, but I don't know the full story. But basically, um, the the system picked up him talking about his work and his boss. Now, thankfully, it didn't um, send a message to his boss, but it sent a message to somebody in his Rolodex, in his contact list on his phone. And it was word for word text of his conversation with his wife. And so they contacted him thankfully and said, dude, I, I just received this text. You know, I just wanted you to know about it now. So he's now suing them because it it came (laughs) out. So yeah, you keep having your conversations and not worry about having all these systems in your, in your house and stuff. But, uh, well, this kind of goes, this leads me into this question. Well, two questions actually. So now with the way technology is becoming, I know we're, we, us as human beings, we're, we're supposed to adapt to our environment in which we are correct. Yeah. But at which point does this start hindering the effort that someone starts doing something for themselves. That's when I, that's exactly right. Absolutely. And, and then you get to where, if you guys have all seen the movie, uh, Wally, you know, I think it's a perfect example as a cartoon. It's probably the best way to sum it up. You get all Wally. these, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you get all these fat people, you know, laying on a chair that doesn't want to do anything, you know, don't want to do. And then all of a sudden they get back to earth, you know, and they, they're walking around and, and they're realizing, Oh my God, there's so much more to life than just kind of laying and having everybody wait on me hand and foot with all this technology and not having to do anything. They lost their way. Yeah. It's choice as well though, isn't it? You can choose how to use it. And that's the important part. And you can choose how can I make my life the simplest. I don't have to do anything, you know, something will robot will bring me my food and my chair will change. And I don't literally don't have to move or you know, the medical advances and survival rates in accidents and things that come out of that same technology. I guess he's got getting all choose. excited about this. Yeah. you in your technology. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing though. That's, that's the thing though, is, is the fact of like, right. I want to make it as simple as possible. Right. And like what I try and look towards, because I, I said this yesterday is like, I plan for the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those things like, well, okay, what if I do get all this technology into my house and all of a sudden I rely on that? And then all of a sudden the power goes out and I have no ability to how to live my life without that. And that's the point that I'm trying to get to is due to the fact of like, at what point do we lose our human instincts that we created that our ancestors developed for us to this day? Because 
what happens 50 years from now when people are talking about us as ancestors or a thousand years from now talking about us as ancestors? I mean, like, remember a thousand years ago when all we had the technology and then all of a sudden these things are like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. are we developing good habits for the future, right? Like, and I know that's contradictory to like what we're talking about, but when we fast forward a thousand years from now, are we creating a positive impact for people to continue utilizing human instincts that we were born and given are they? Are, are, are we hindering it? I think you're 100% right, George. And I think it's human nature to go to that, how do I make my life easier? You know, if, if you look 100 years back, there wasn't processed food. You know, the re refrigeration technology wasn't around. People would get a chicken and it was actually a chicken. You know, it, you had to kill it, uh, take all the feathers out, get it, prepare it. 99.9% .9 of the population, I wouldn't be able to do that today. Right. No. Because our life and technology and advancements and as archaic as we consider them to be now because the way technology has taken off has negated that skill to be a requirement for our life. We don't right. have to do that anymore now. You just go to the shop and it comes two chicken breasts or a whole chicken, whatever way you want to buy it. So in... A hundred years time, I don't think it'll be a hundred years time because, you know, the time frames we're talking about is 10 years, yeah. 20 years. A lot of what we do today won't need to be done. Things will do it for us. But the skill and the ability to do that, George, and like you said, what happens when the power goes out? Yeah. And even till this day, there's people like that still to this day, power goes out. People are lost. I'm supposed to use a candle. Yeah. yeah. I can't have my phone. I can't use a flashlight. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and all of a sudden it creates a negative stress on yeah. someone's life. And that's all you hear about for the next day when they come to work. Right. right? Man, my power went out. I wasn't able to shower. I wasn't able to cook dinner. And my Wi-Fi went out. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, guys, like realistically, like you can still shower with a candle. Yeah. You can still do all these things. Right. And it kind of goes back to the same idea. Um, when it goes back to talking about the whole idea of like human instinct and, the example that I was going to use, and my mind train of thought kind of went because we started talking about that, was the fact that most of the time what happens is, is human beings look at this growth of, of technology, right? We see this growth of technology, and it starts producing, like I said before, a simpler life. When realistically, a simple life is having a cell phone only and having a, a sofa and a TV and maybe a desk or a, a table and then you cook all your food, right? Like that is simple because now when we turn the lights off, like realistically in here, the only light I have on is my is my oven light. I just turned on because I had to get my stuff ready. But everything else in here is natural light to me, right? Because it's a human instinct that, again, and it's my choice to live like this so that I'm able to um, – so I'm able to do what? Have a simpler life at the end of the day, right? It's my choice to do it. A lot of people enjoy the whole I want to have – this in here, I want to have that, I want to have that. And those things are awesome. But I also think they need to experience the opposite side to be grateful again for that and be and meet everything in the middle as a whole. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's something to say about uh, change and, and, you know, taking on change and, and new lifestyles or and all that type of stuff. But there's another thing about just being present and being here now. And what you're talking about is finding yourself learning, learning more about what your capabilities are and everything and uh, just being present in the moment and making sure that you're not trying to get lost in the, what you don't have or what somebody else has or something like, along those lines. 
we could talk about this forever, George. And I, I you know, <laughs> I love having you on the podcast. I've missed you uh, coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you back, man. I hope you can get uh, on here more frequently. I know you're a busy dude, but maybe we can catch you early in the morning again and uh, get you on. I mean, this is this is perfect, dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I usually get up at this. I usually get up around six, anyways. Um, and then usually, like, I take an hour to myself, and then I get start getting work done just because of the fact, that, like. Again, like I said, like everything, like my whole life now is compartmentalized due to the fact that even though I'm training for a hundred mile race or just training, and I call it training for life, this whole training for life has been able to improve my quality of life as a, as a, as a whole, right? Like I focus on better, dude, I'm sleeping now eight to 10 hours a night because I go to bed at nine 30 and I wake up at five 30, five 45 or six. But again, the, the example I'm using here is what is what is so important past nine o'clock at nighttime if you're not working working out or putting your kids to bed nothing really think about that right like everyone think about that like what is so important after nine o'clock in the evening when the sun goes down realistically nothing right but we have technology now that leaves us awake for two or three hours because i miss my show when hey guys netflix it's gonna be there for a while Right. And if it's not, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to go find it some other time when you have downtime during the day. But if we want to continue living this healthy and prosperous life, like let's go ahead and take control of the things that we can control. Sleep, nutrition, and how we think of what's going to be able and the ability to do it. So, and, and, that's, and that's the thing though, dude. So like more than happy to come on and do morning shows like this, do free. It's like our, it's my morning coffee talk with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It was good seeing you guys again. Nice meeting you, brother. Good meeting you, George. Take care, man. Yes, sir. Thanks, take care, guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or mentors the number 4 mil at SkeletonOptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.